0: Welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. We are back once again. It's just me and Alex this time, just Ryan and Alex, and we're gonna be talking about uh just some stuff. Man, we're ready for
1: football. <laughs> yeah, we're what are we at thirteen days now?
0: Yeah, September first, that's the day.
1: Yeah. I feel like this offseason, you know, as I've gotten older. I've become more and more patient with how I've handled off seasons, mm-hmm. but the one constant throughout the whole thing is that the last two weeks are brutal, man. Yeah. Like, well, no cause... matter how patient I am leading up to it, I just can't even handle the last yeah. two weeks. Well, it's like absolutely
0: nothing. Like the NFL preseason is like the only sporting happening right now. I guess. I guess the Premier League has started, but
1: yeah, yeah. Don't hate on the Prem.
0: No, but we're about like. Let's... We're about to hit the international break, though, so that's going to be done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and one of us doesn't have a team in the prim right okay. now.
0: Hey, <laughs> look, undefeated so far in the championship. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, what are we talking about today, Alex?
1: Um. So, been, been, been a few things happen over the last few few days. Since we last talked, I think the first thing that we should talk about, since um, we are so kind of heavily focused on recruiting, is um, Rivals kind of updated their rankings. And um, as most of you know, Rivals is kind of the primary site that we use to like kind of gauge ratings. And, you know, I know that for me, like I value their rankings over every other service. And so they updated their, their top 250, and there were some really big movers um, out of the Oklahoma commits. Um, it was, so I, it probably starts with Theo Weiss, who moved up a spot from the number three position into the number two, and that's just overall in the country. Yeah. He's the number two player in the country. And my only beef with him being number two – is that the guy that's number one is a guy that he kind of lit up at a camp like <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. And so I'm not, that's not really adding up to me. Like I'm not saying I think Theo Weese should absolutely be the number one player because I mean, for all I know there might be a guy lower that I like more, but I don't know how you can have a guy in Derek Stingley who got lit up by Theo Weese multiple times rated ahead of him. But You know, I wasn't in the room when they decided this. Um, Moving on from Theo Weiss, the next guy on the list is our favorite quarterback commit, Spencer Rattler. He's great. Um, Obviously, we are are humongous Spencer Rattler fans. He's been a five-star in our hearts for about a year now um, since he committed.
0: Yeah, consensus number one quarterback in the class, though plenty of people will tell you that this quarterback class is nothing special but he seems to be the standout.
1: Yeah, I yeah, for sure. Um you know, again, we say this every time we talk about Spencer Rattler. If you haven't watched his high school highlights, just do just it. Do, just do yourself a favor. Um it's like a mix of like Baker Mayfield and like all of your favorite scrambling quarterbacks. Like he just does all of this crazy stuff, and it, it's just a blast to watch. Yeah. Um, you
0: will get a kick out of this, Alex. The other day, I was talking to my brother about Spencer Rattler, and he so mm-hmm. he, uh, he he asked me, "So is he kind of like a Pat Mahomes type?"
1: Oh yeah. Hey, I love. Hey, I've made that comparison before. Yeah, I've made it before. You know, they uh, similar game. Pat Mahomes probably a little bigger, but. Um, You know, so obviously we agree with Spencer Rattler moving up into the five star territory. Yeah. And like obviously he made this move because he lit up just pretty much every camp he was at. He won the Elite 11. Um, He went to I think it was the opening and was the best quarterback there at the opening. And just, you know, that this time of year, that's how these guys are moving up. All of these guys that moved up. Are guys that went to these camp events against other elite players and they just played really well. Um, and so, yeah, that brings us to Trajan bridges who moved up to the number 25 spot in the country. Um, also in five star territory. So if you can count them, that would be three sets of five stars. Um, in the 2019 recruiting class. And I should have done this beforehand, but I do not know the. I think the last time that happened was 2008. Hmm. Um, when, OU had three, five stars. There is no need to go back and look at who those guys are because <laughs> every single one of them were busts, but it's, you know, this is something that hasn't happened in 10 years and it's, you know, finally happening again. Um, and, you know, Trajan Bridges, you know, he moved up. He was a huge mover. He moved up 42 spots in the Rivals 100. Um, and the thing with him is, we've kind of talked about him before, maybe, but it's just he makes plays. Like, nobody can seem to really stop him at any of these camp settings. And, you know, it's something that when you turn on, like, his highlight film, like, you see it there as well. Like, it's not like he's just a camp guy. Um but it's you know, when he goes up against the elite players at camps, like he just
0: He comes away has, with the
1: ball. Yeah, he just always gets the ball. And like, you know, I, I every day at like when he was at the opening and all of these events, um there just every day I would scroll through my Twitter and there was Trajan Bridges catch highlights, you know? Yeah. Like just Trajan Bridges goes up over this five star corner and comes down with the ball, you know, like mm-hmm. He's not, the, he's not the physically imposing guy that Theo Weiss is, which is why he's not the number two player in the country. But he, as far as hands and just his ability to get open, like he's really second to none in this class.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that he's a really exciting prospect, as is Theo Weiss. As are they together, by the way, which is what they will be um, when they play in oh, this yeah. football team.
1: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is like there's we have another wide receiver that's committed in this group. And he's a guy, um, R.J. Henderson. He's Mm -hmm. down at number 34. And that I mean, again, number 34 in the country overall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I say down at 34 because this is a guy that used to be a five star. He was up in the top 10 on rivals for a long time. And just, you know, he didn't. I don't know if – he didn't go to as many camps as Theo Weiss and Trajan Bridges. And he also – when he did, he wasn't as impressive as those guys. But still a really high-level prospect. We have three of the top six wide receivers in the country committed to us right now. Yeah. With the number one quarterback. So, you know.
0: I think the offense is going to be okay.
1: Yeah. You know, it (laughs) seems like things are going all right on the offensive side. Uh, One more guy I want to talk about as far as just a big mover in this update, um, Stacy Wilkins, this guy moved up 135 spots in the (laughs) rivals ranking system. He's up to number 56. Um, he's an offensive tackle from Arkansas. He's a guy that committed relatively recently committed in July or maybe might've been this month. I think, yeah, he committed this month. Um, I keep forgetting that we are so far along in August, like yeah. my brain kind of still think it's like August fifth, but <laughs> yeah we're we're a little past that point um but yeah, so stacy wilkins just he's just a massive offensive tackle, six seven two eighty five you know I think we've talked about him with Nathan before, um but just a really just high level prospect that went to these camps again. You know, we're talking the Rivals Five Star Challenge, the opening, and he was just one of the more impressive offensive tackles at these events. And, um, you know, just 135 spots. Like, that's not something that happens very often. Like, I think he was yeah. definitely the biggest mover in the country. Yeah. So,
0: I mean, this is all good news. This is, this upcoming recruiting class is really good. And there's a lot to be excited for. Um, I think that's about all we have on that front to talk about.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, a couple. I mean, with our, with all of that, there were a couple guys that slid down a little bit, but not no more than a couple spots here or there. But uh-huh. um, let's move away from recruiting and let's talk about the quarterback battle. Yeah, because you just kind of have to. Because
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, whenever there's a quarterback battle on any campus that's just going to have to be the story, you know, like there's just, it all starts at that position. And until, you know, I've been, it's kind of really annoyed me whenever you get any media availability with Lincoln Riley. And I'm like, I wonder what's going on at the center position or at offensive tackle. Mm -hmm. And you just get a bunch of questions like, Hey, when are you going to name your quarterback, dude? You know, and you can tell Lincoln's kind of tired of, of answering those questions also. But um, but that's the story. Like the journalists know that that's what people want to hear about. You know, like they have to ask those questions because it's literally their job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I think we're, we're both extremely ready f- for this thing to be over, right? Yeah, very much so.
0: In fact, can we just be done with it today? Can we get some pod breaking news? That would be nice. Let's that do would it.
1: be amazing. Come on yeah. Link, and
0: call me. Lincoln, call me. Let me know. Um, But, I mean, so we're looking at this quarterback battle. Obviously, we are fans of Kyler Murray, and we would like him to be named the starter sooner rather than later. Um, But, so, looking at this battle, is this Austin Kendall putting up more of a fight, or is this Kyler Murray failing to distinguish himself?
1: Um, So, to me, I think the coaches and I think most people, fans and us included, I think we just kind of expected this to be a a runaway thing, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and to me, like, that could mean, like, obviously, Kyler maybe didn't uh, perform the way they expected, but I think the more likely scenario is that Austin Kendall just outperformed expectation um you know I think the coaches thought yeah we'll have Kyler um decided already but Austin Kendall has just played too well and I think Austin Kendall has always been a guy that really really fits this system you know like it's the kind of system he played in high school um he's got you know he's got a lot of good attributes for it he's got a lot of mobility that you know underrated mobility and he's just got some he's very accurate is what I would say with him. And so why, maybe while he doesn't have the big playability of a Kyler Murray, you know, he has the ability to just move the offense down the field in a pretty efficient manner. Yeah, um, And I think that that's probably the more likely situation that we have right now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's important to remember that Austin Kendall was also a really highly rated recruit. Like, we're not talking about a scrub that who... And Kyler just can't distinguish himself because, you know, this isn't a situation where I think that Kyler is playing poorly. Um, it's it's just Austin Kendall's actually a pretty good quarterback, though we won't feel that way if he wins this job, I think.
1: <laughs> we will
0: find a way to feel negative about the fact that he beat out Kyler Murray for a starting position.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been. I think I've probably been one of the more vocal haters of of Austin Kendall, and uh, the fact that it's kind of drug out this long has I've kind of warmed up to him a little bit. I would say, like Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I don't know. Like it, it's not a situation where I think I would never be able to get over him being the starter. Mm -hmm. I still definitely want Kyler to be the guy, Um, and but what I was gonna, I was gonna come back to the idea of kyler not playing as well as they expected and what kind of puts my mind at ease is that if you look at what is best for this program you know moving forward um i think you could argue that it's better for austin kendall to be the quarterback right because he's gonna be here for you know two more years you know like with kyler it's a one-year deal and done so if it were like a super close race and Austin Kendall was just as good as Kyler. I don't, I think they would probably pick Austin Kendall, you know, like I think that they have kind of an added reason to pick a guy like that over a guy that, well, he's, you know, worth $4.8 million and he's going to be gone in a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know, just that, the fact, that fact makes me, makes me think that, you know, if they still go with Kyler Murray, that, Kyler Murray probably played just fine in camp, you know, and he's—I'm still just as excited to see him play as I ever was, you know.
0: Yeah, I think that's a reasonable take on the situation. All right.
1: Reasonable takes—that's what—that's what we have here.
0: Reasonable takes on
1: the Oklahoma drill. We have
0: never except lied for, on this
1: program. Yeah. Reasonable, except for when I will complain about neck rolls or whatever. Um, <laughs> Which I kind of looked I went back and looked at some of the pictures, and it looked better than I thought. I don't know, I think just the <laughs> picture I had seen primarily, um I wasn't a big fan of it, but like from a side angle, I was like, okay, that looks kind of cool, so yeah, I don't know I might be warming up to the neck roll on Kenneth Murray, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so
1: right. yeah, so I think the last thing we will you know not a not a ton to talk about, you know, like there's you know, I mean, we could talk about some of the horrible things going on in college football, but I'd rather not. But. Yeah, just <laughs> suffice it to
0: say that, yeah, this sport has a dark underbelly. And you, mm-hmm. if you forget about that, then you are doing so by sticking your head in the sand.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, but we, I thought we would close with just we'll give our Big 12 Rankings. You know, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna rank the big twelve teams, you know, going into the year. Um, you know, I think we've done this is we've done we did this at least last year, so mm-hmm. um and I think the uh the takes might become a little more uh lukewarm
0: gonna, as we gonna, as we
1: go through here.
0: We're gonna turn the dial a little bit. It's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, we'll turn it up to around a seven or eight maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll just start. I want you to go first, and we're just going to go back and forth. We'll go 10 to 1, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we both have the same number 10, but we you can go do. ahead. Last year we didn't, actually, but
0: um, if you were right I actually picked Tech in 10th. I was wrong. Uh, number 10 is Kansas. Um, I, was, I don't want to say I was high on Kansas last year, because that's not true. I had them ninth, but um, you know, I suggested that their program had a defined future that they were aiming for, and they appeared to be not on track, but moving moving in that direction, and that was not the case. Um, And it's frankly astonishing that um, Beatty still has a job, and uh, they're going to be the worst team in the conference again. So they have a good defense. Um, Yeah, they have
1: some, like, Strangely they have some good players like especially in the front seven.
0: Yeah.
1: And they still have Hassan defense. We cannot we cannot miss this.
0: Hassan, Hassan defense,
1: defense. still we can't plays stand for, for Kansas. not Hassan
0: defense anymore though. Cuz he tried to hurt Baker.
1: He did. He did try to hurt Baker, but his name is also still Hassan defense. You're right. I don't know. God, I'm a little right. it's I'm I it's a tough situation it's a conundrum. for for me. It's yeah. It's yeah, I had honestly forgotten that that was him until you said that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Dang it, Hassan. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. Who's your number 10? Yeah, so I've got Kansas as well. Really? Um, and <laughs> the re- the reason being is their quarterback situation is kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> right. I like, forgot
0: that they had somebody get injured in the spring game.
1: Yeah, and like – So their guy, like they have guys that played last year, but I think the guy that everyone kind of wants to win the job because he's got maybe a little more upside is a guy named Miles Kendrick, who's a 5'10 Juco transfer. Um, Not a great starting point there. Um, But then you look at the fact that he completed 58% of his passes in Juco, and I'm just not super sold on how this is going to go for them. Yeah. Jeez. Um you know, they still have Daniel Wise up front as a D tackle. Like they don't they lost Dorrance Armstrong, um, still have Daniel Wise. They have a linebacker. Do you know that linebacker's name? I'm blanking right now. I don't. But he's uh, good, probably. Yeah. Let
0: me see. It's got like it. a keep talking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they have one of the best linebackers in the entire Big Twelve. Um, so, I mean, they have some standout players, but just overall from a depth and just across the entire roster, I just don't think they have the talent to really, you know, win more than maybe they might win two conference games this year. Um,
0: you're talking about? are you talking about, uh, Joe Denine?
1: That is absolutely who I'm talking about.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Joe Denine, one of the best linebackers in the big 12. I will say, with Kansas, and we probably shouldn't spend this much time on Kansas, um, there is a scenario in which Kansas opens up 4-0. <laughs> so it's like they start with Nichols State, um, which, you know, you, they're probably going to win that game. Yeah, didn't they're Nichols, projected to win the game.
0: Did Nichols State upset somebody recently?
1: Yeah, they they didn't upset, but they played close with Auburn, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Well, they played close with an SEC team. I can't remember exactly which one, but they yeah. were close in one of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might have been Clemson? I don't know. I don't know. I'm bl- blanking yeah. on it. But, but anyways, they
0: Kansas were... has an 82% win probability. They to do.
1: They plus. do. And then at Central Michigan, Central Michigan's a really bad football team. And yeah. they've got – They're. I mean, they're not favored to win this game. Um, they're actually – well, they actually are favored. They're only favored by a point, is it's what a, I meant to say. Sorry, up. it's basically a toss up. Yeah. The only reason why they they aren't, and I'm digging myself an even bigger hole. I was about to say the only reason why they aren't favored is because they are on the road, but then they are favored. So they are favored. Sorry, on the road. I'm just done. Yeah. So <laughs> Do you want to take it from here?
0: <laughs> sure. So from there they play Rutgers, which is a tremendously bad team, but it is a Power Five team, and thus Kansas is. Not favored. Um, But that's not unwinnable um, at Rutgers. Um, And then, well, the game is in Lawrence. It's not at Rutgers. Um, It's in Lawrence. Jeez, you passed it on to me. I think touching Kansas is hurting us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, we need to get off of them.
0: At Baylor is the last game in that four-game stretch, and they are not at all favored to win. But we don't really know what Baylor's going to look like this year, so it's entirely possible that they do.
1: Yeah, like, no, I definitely wouldn't pick them to win more than two of those games. But, you know, if David Beatty is as good as Kansas seems to think he is, you would think that they're headed in the right direction and they would be able to, you know, at least win three of those. Um, so we'll we'll see. We might have to talk to our kids about a an undefeated Kansas four games into the year. <laughs> but I, 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 I still kind of doubt it. Uh, let's move on to our number nine. Who do you have at
0: number nine? At nine, I have Baylor. Um,
1: Baylor, okay.
0: Yeah, who, um, they'll be better than they were last year. They weren't good last year. Um, and I feel like they lost some difference makers. Now I'm having to do research, hang on. Um, I know that, KD Cannon is done, right?
1: Oh yeah, he's been done.
0: Okay, do they have another person? With a similar name last year, who I've forgotten this about. This is <laughs> this is good. This is this good. is a
2: horrible. Preview. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um... Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm not paying that close attention to Baylor. Here's the thing: they were bad last year. I think they're going to be bad this year.
1: This this is a football team with that won one game last year. Um, I do think they are significantly more talented than that, though. Like I think you know, yeah. if you look at their talent compared to like Kansas, who they're kind of in the realm of, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not that close. Like they've got legitimate talent. Um, mm-hmm. They do have a pretty big time receiver, Denzel Mims. That's what I lit, was thinking of. Yeah. He lit up OU last year, and he is back. Um they do have a oh they have a running back named John Lovett, which I think is kind of funny um <laughs> uh,
0: okay here is my thing about Baylor is that I look at um bill Conley's uh radar chart for Baylor's offense, and the only thing they were able to do with any efficiency was convert on passing downs and this is i don't think that um their quarterback whose name Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer. There are so many Brewers in my head, I couldn't remember which one he was. Um, Charlie Brewer, um, he was 19 for 25 on third and long. I don't think he's going
1: to... Yeah, that's not a sustainable number.
0: No. At all. And he was actually quite bad all the other times. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't have hope there. Though he was a freshman, and he won't be a freshman now. So maybe he'll be
1: better. Yeah, I think... I think there is a, a pretty significant chance. Baylor is also my number nine. Um, we will start disagreeing, I promise. But Baylor is also my number nine for now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there is a scenario that they surprise some people with the offense. Um, Charlie Brewer, you know, I think most people would consider him to have had a really successful freshman year in a really tough situation, you know, like that team kind of just kind of blew up, but he, you know, kind of made it work. Like he, um, towards the end of the year, he gave them some hope. So I think, um, there is a situation they could sneak up on, on one of these other teams. I think, you know, all of these teams above Kansas, they're just in a separate tier. Like I think, um, they're, they're kind of more grouped together. You know, like they could really finish any, any in any uh, ranking order. Yeah. Jesus. All right. All <laughs> Let's right. move on to number eight.
0: My number eight team. Okay. Surely we'll start to diverge here. So my number eight team, this is a, actually, as far as takes go, pretty warm, is Kansas State. Ooh. Yeah. So here's the thing about Kansas State. Um, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if Bill Snyder is going to survive the year. He is getting old enough that we start to have, have to ask that question. Like, is he going to die? Um,
1: and, and you saw that he signed a five-year extension, right? He,
0: he's not... I don't think... And this is rough because we're talking about a man's life. I really don't think he's going to make it to the end of that contract.
1: He's really yeah. old. He's
0: really very old indeed. He had a cancer scare yeah, last year. He did. Um, and, I don't know. There have been some... The last year, I think Kansas State surprised a bit. Um, but, again, I look statistically, I look at this team. And they've got Alex Delton going for them on offense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Bill Snyder's a master of making a run first quarterback
1: work. But uh mm-hmm. they're not gonna have much else besides that. Okay. Um I'm gonna go, go to my number eight. Okay. And I'm gonna go with Texas Tech. Okay. Um I think this is the year Cliff Kingsbury gets fired. Mm-hmm. Um their their defense um showed a lot of improvement last year. Um and they have a lot of guys back from that defense. Um however, I think the sustainability of their success on defense last year is something that I question. Uh, They're, you know, they are very predicated on forcing turnovers and just causing havoc plays. Um, And I just, that never makes me, I never trust a defense that when that's their thing, you know, like their year to year um, consistency just isn't going to be there. Um, So maybe they're better, but I think it's, it's more likely that, that they're either about the same or maybe even a little bit worse than they were last year. Um, offensively, they've been extremely successful under Cliff Kingsbury. I don't think anybody could argue that. Like, you know, they've had pretty solid quarterback play his entire tenure. Um, I don't know who the heck's starting at quarterback this year for them. Yeah. Um, they lost Kiki Cootie, who was one of the best receivers in the country, you know, like, I don't know. TJ Vasher is really, really good. Um, he was only a freshman last year, but I just, I'm not sure who's, what they're going to do a quarterback. You know, they've got a couple guys. Um, one of the guys' names is McLean Carter, which is a really big 12 quarterback name, but, yeah. um, extremely so. Uh, yeah. And then they have another guy named Jet Duffy, which I think would also be a pretty, pretty good quarterback name. But (laughs) I mean, they just they don't have that that Pat Mahomes type quarterback that's going to be able to just raise everyone else around them into something that's competitive. Um, So I just I don't have a lot of confidence in what they have going on um, just from an overall standpoint. And I think it's about time that Cliff Kingsbury is probably going to get fired after this year.
0: Yeah. Um, let's see here. So Texas Tech is my number seven. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily disagree with anything that you've said. Um, losing losing Kiki Cutie is a huge loss. Um, it's worth stating that McLean Carter at one point did start a game over Nick Sheminak last year. He shouldn't yeah. have, but he did. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe... I don't know. Maybe Cliff thinks he's ready. Maybe he'll maybe he can do it. Um, I I really think their defense can improve. I don't know how much S and P Plus is projecting it into the top forty. I don't yeah. really believe that. Um, but I think it's entirely possible that a more experienced unit, which it is a more experienced unit, will be slightly better um, at least. So I think that there's a chance they'll improve on defense enough. Um, looking at their schedule, it's a strange one. Um, they have some nasty away games, particularly at Oklahoma State and at TCU, as well as a trip to Ames and and <laughs> trips to Ames, Manhattan, and they have to play Baylor at a neutral site. Um, so that's also they start the year off against Ole Miss. Um, it's an interesting schedule. We'll see how they do. I I bet they start the year. <laughs> Actually, man, I don't know now I'm starting to question myself because I'm looking at this schedule. They might start the year one and five
1: Alex, oh sorry I was I had muted myself <laughs> good dang, yeah,
2: Very we're just good. going
1: through going through all the things for a podcast tonight um so. Two, you know, I think two and four, one and five is probably what they're looking at from the starting point. Yeah. Do they, um,
0: and at that point, you know, no, they're they're going to lose. They're going to lose to TCU at home, or
1: to yeah, TCU or on the road, road. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, you're looking at at best two and five in the first six mm-hmm. or in the first seven. No. Three and four in the first three and four
1: three and four at best yeah yeah
0: in the first seven that's
1: probably right
0: um do they fire him at that point if he uh
1: i don't know i think you might might let him finish the year um but one one thing with their schedule also is that you know you mentioned the road games they have but they also have to play oklahoma at home and like that's better than going on the road at ou but you're probably going to lose that game either way so it kind of just, it, you know, it kind of adds to the fact that their schedule is – it's just really tough. Um, I don't know. I don't see – and then, you know, they go to Kansas State to end the year. You know, yeah. like that's – this is not an easy schedule and I don't know. I just – I'm not sure how equipped they are to be able to handle the rigors of this entire schedule. You know, if they're non-conference, if their non-conference was more manageable, like they could legitimately be one and two coming out of the non-con – and that's not going to be a good place for them. If they were coming in like they had 3 even if they were just cupcakes and but they were ha- they were coming in really confident into conference play, I would feel better about them from that standpoint. But yeah. the fact that you know, probably you know, 2 and 1 is probably what they're looking at at best mm-hmm. in that non-conference schedule, you know. Um you know, I'm not really optimistic in how in how they're going to be coming in. Um for that slate in the conference.
0: Yeah. Don't think they're a bowl team. Um, yeah, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think if they make a bowl, Cliff gets another year. Cause that I, would be absolutely. a pretty, yeah. that'd be a pretty impressive, uh, accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on. Uh, you said tech was your number seven, right? Yeah.
0: Who's your seven.
1: So my number seven, I'm going to go with, uh, with Iowa state. Okay. Uh, um, and I, I like Iowa State. Um, I like what Matt Campbell's been able to do up there. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that just re- has remained throughout the entire history of Iowa State football. It is an almost impossible job. Yeah. It's an incredibly difficult job. And, you know, he had a really, really successful season last year. He beat OU and TCU both last year. Um. And he's got, he's got some decent pieces coming back. He's got um, David Montgomery coming back as a running back who's really solid. Kyle Kemp's got a sixth year at quarterback. Like, he has some pieces. But to me, it's just, if you go back and look at what they did last year, um, they got kind of lucky, man. Like, they should not have beat Oklahoma in Norman. You know, like, if one of you know, three players doesn't get injured in, in that Iowa State game for OU, OU probably beats them, you know, and that's not including all the just kind of weird things that happen in that game anyway. It's like if Trey Sermon doesn't drop the ball inside the Iowa State 10-yard line, we win that game. So, um, that um you know, that kind of thing went their way. TCU turned it over a bunch. Had it, they, I think they had a pick six against TCU, like, just there were some fluky things that went their way last year that I'm not optimistic about going their way this year. Additionally, like if you look at their schedule, they play Oklahoma at home, so which that's a game they're probably going to lose. They have to go to TCU, they have to go to OSU, they have to go to Texas. Like I don't think they're winning any of those games.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, this is in addition, like in the non-conference, they're going to Iowa. Probably a loss, but it's a rivalry game, you know, and then games like West Virginia, Texas Tech, Baylor, all of those games, Kansas State, all of those games are really more toss-ups to me. Um, And I I just kind of think that the the luck of last year is going to kind of come back and kind of revert to the mean for them. And I still think Matt Campbell is a really good coach, and I think they're going to have more years like last year the longer he's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just putting two of those kind of years together in a row just seems like something that's really unlikely to me.
0: Yeah. Um, so, Iowa State was your number seven?
1: Seven, yeah. That's
0: where we're at? Okay. Well, Iowa State yeah. is my number six. Okay. Um, I think that there's aspects of what they did last year that were incredibly fluky. But there were also aspects of what they did last year that – you could look at optimistically and say, hey, Matt Campbell's not bad at this. Um They, uh, I mean, looking at their schedule, um, they only have to, they have to go to, um, TCU, OSU, and Texas, as well as Kansas. Um, so that's not great as far as a waste slate, but it also means that their home slate's pretty decent. Um, like, that makes their home slate look more winnable to me, right? Right. Um, Because those are teams that I would probably pick to beat them anyways, except for Texas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just because I don't trust Texas to ever beat Iowa State ever again. Um, no. So, but that means that they get West Virginia at home, they get Texas Tech at home, they get Kansas State at home, and they get Oklahoma at home, which they're probably not going to win that. But, um, yeah. I mean... Just look in here. Um, if they can beat Iowa, if they can beat Akron, um, they're potentially looking at a possible bowl berth, um, which to me puts them above Tech and potentially K-State. So that's my Iowa State thing.
1: So that, that's your number six? Yeah. Okay. Um, so my number six, I'm going to go... I don't know how hot a take this is gonna be. Mm-hmm. I'm going West Virginia okay. at number six. Interesting. Um, now West Virginia is a team that nationally is is pretty highly thought of. Um, mm-hmm. They they have a really really good quarterback. Will Greer is great. Mm-hmm. Like he was, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve last year. Um, and we obviously saw what how important he was to them when he went out yeah. um, with that dislocated finger. Um, however, I my thing with West Virginia is I don't think that they have ever been really cut out to compete at the big twelve level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like they you know maybe like 2016 was their best team. Um, they probably from an overall talent standpoint, every other year, I'm kind of like, they seem like a G five team playing in a big, in the big 12, you know, like they, they just don't the have this they did. They just, they don't have the depth. I don't think to really be able to make it through their entire schedule. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be even compounded this year by the fact that they have to play Tennessee and Tennessee is not going to be by any means a good football team this year. Like, they're definitely going through one of the biggest rebuilds in the country. But mm-hmm. Tennessee is a really talented football team. They're a team full of guys that are physically imposing that are going to, yeah. you know, you West Virginia could potentially lose some guys in that game just from a physical standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. So that's not great. They also have to go to NC State, which NC State's really good. Like, I mean, I've, you know, they're not a team you pay a lot of attention of attention to because yeah. – they're in That's the safe. ACC and there's really only two teams that you need to worry about in that conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were really good last year. Now they you lost a lot of Pitt guys and Wake to Wake Forest. Yeah, right. Pitt and Wake Forest are they're the the powerhouses. Uh-huh. but NC State lost a lot of guys to the NFL draft, but they also, I mean, they're just a really well put together program. Like their coach Dave Doran is he's a guy that was offered multiple coaching jobs in this last coaching cycle. He's doing a really good, great job at NC State. Um, And then schedule concerns like to me, playing Oklahoma at home is not, you know, for this kind of team, a good thing. Uh, Now, they could certainly beat OU at home, but the chances are, you know, 24 percent, according to Bill Connolly. So um, I don't look at that as a positive for them because, you know, they're probably losing that game either way. Um, They have to go to Texas Tech. Which favors tech in that situation? They have to go to Iowa State, mm-hmm. they have to go to Texas and Oklahoma State. Like, and additionally they have to put you know TCU's coming there, and TCU usually beats them. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I'm not very optimistic on West Virginia's chances. Their defense is uh, projected to be the number 96 defense, and their offense is only projected 17th and. To overcome a 96th-ranked defense, you need a really elite offense, and Mm -hmm. 17th is just not good enough for that.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at this West Virginia schedule, um, and, man, does that season finisher with Oklahoma seem like really bad news for them. Because, I mean, you know, the highest-ranked team that they'll be playing, and they play them at the end of the year... um, with the last bye week was like five weeks ago at that point. they mm-hmm. um, If they have depth issues, they're going to have capital D depth
1: issues in that game. Yeah. Well, and just to add on to that is, you know, depth issues, their last four games are against the four most talented teams in the Big 12. Yeah. They go at Texas, TCU, at Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately that's the most the foremost talented teams in the conference and those are they have all of those stacked in a row yeah you know like i just i don't think that they're going to be able to close the season strongly um you know i i kind of came into this kind of like well west virginia at six is going to be my hot take um and i don't really feel like it's hot i just think it's like a reasonable take at this point just yeah. kind of you know <laughs> evaluating everything. Yeah. Jeez. Like I like Will Greer, but man, he's going to have to be a freaking superhero to like get them into the top echelon of the Big 12 yeah. this year.
0: Man, now I am going to sound like an absurd optimist. Um cuz this is this is a point well made. Um and we'll come back to it when we get to West Virginia on my list. So put a pin on that. Put in that. Yeah. My number 6 is Texas. Um Okay. So, honestly, this is a little bit because I'm a hater. Honest. Like, I'm just being honest. I I really will not believe in Texas until I see it. It's a talented team, obviously. But I don't think they found the quarterback. I think that Sam Ellinger will probably end up winning the job, which is going to end up being terrible for them. Um, because... this But is also the, really
1: entertaining. Let's hilarious. Be, be it's going to be yeah. amazing.
0: This is my thing about Sam Ellinger. He's like if Tim Tebow didn't know how to win.
1: Like... <laughs> Yeah.
0: Like, Tim Tebow, minus all of the intangible spirit and heart that made him capable of piloting that unstoppable Death Star of NFL talent to a national championship. Yep. Um. Yeah, Sam Ellinger, that's just very... You see it in the way he plays. You see it in him rolling out and being gutsy and all of that stuff. What you don't see it in is the way he does things like um, throw the ball to the other team in the end zone at the end of a game uh, for no reason, for no discernible reason, as, such as uh, Sam Ellinger did against Oklahoma State last year. You don't see him throw the ball out of bounds on fourth down like he did against Oklahoma last year. You don't see him throw the ball directly to a defensive back while you were being tackled like you saw him do against West Virginia last year. Sam Ellinger makes some of the worst football decisions of any player I've ever seen. And if he wins this starting job, it's going to cost Texas probably three games at least. Um, and I say this believing that he probably will, because I do still think he's better than Shane Buschel.
1: Yeah, my thing with, with Ellinger is just, at least he's capable of making plays. Like, I, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Bouchelle do anything that I thought was impressive. Yeah. You know, like, he's just the most mediocre quarterback I think I've ever seen Mm-hmm. Um, one little thing um, I'm going to be a little higher on Texas but one thing that concerns me is you know they I don't know what is going on in their program like they're you there you just hear things on Twitter and they just had a senior defensive back transfer like last mm-hmm. week which super close to the season
2: yeah
1: Um. so that's kind of a weird thing and then lastly like just they don't. I don't. I think I can name one running back on that football team. Like
0: I don't know if I can. There's um. There's Kyle Carter. Hicks,
1: Tony Carter, is that okay? Yeah. So yeah, that's two: Kyle Hicks and Tony Carter. But like, we follow college football about as close as you know anybody, and <laughs> that's the two names we were able to come up with, yeah. and those are not guys that I think are difference makers.
0: They uh did get a transfer from Cal. Trey Watson.
1: Right. Trey Watson. Okay.
0: Um so I mean we'll see about this stuff, but I don't know. I don't really mm-hmm. know. Um they do bring back Lil Jordan Humphrey in the receiving core.
1: Yeah. No, they have some they have some tools, especially you know, at receiver as his, his his name is also Lil Jordan, which is awesome. Yeah. Um I give him, you know, a few extra points for that. But yeah. they I don't know. Um, I'll talk about them a little bit more later. So that brings me, that's your number six.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, let me talk about their defense because I think Texas, you know, has become this team that plays defense, right? That's their thing. Mm -hmm. Um, this, I, I think, you know, their defense will still probably be solid. they will still be an above average defense in the big 12 for sure. Um, but they lost Puna Ford, they lost Malik Jefferson, and they lost Deshaun Elliott, who also, like, went on to, like, throw uh, Tom Herman in the dumpster on his way out. Um, yeah. So I'm really concerned about the loss of Deshaun Elliott's unique ability to stand where balls are flying, um, which was a major part of them squeaking out a ton of victories that they had no right earning. Um, I say a ton. I really just mean against USC and Iowa State. Um, But, uh, yeah, so that's one thing. And then they also lost uh, Michael Dixon, who was a real good punter.
1: Um, Oh, yeah, he was a huge difference maker there.
0: Yeah, so that's going to be a problem for them. Uh, And that's all I have to say about Texas, which is my number six team in the Big 12.
1: Okay. Um, So... Wait, where are we? Okay, so that brings me to my number six. Okay.
0: Uh, wait, Texas
1: was my number five. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That has to be five because yeah. West Virginia was my number six. Yeah. Um. Okay, so my number five is going to be, um, Kansas State. Okay. And I I share a lot of concerns that you did that I mean that you had with Kansas State in terms of you know bill Snyder and his age and just everything however um I do think that it's it's notable that bill Snyder is maybe one of the best coaches of all time like I mean what he has done Kansas State is one of the more impressive feats of any one in history um especially for someone that you know out of people that haven't won national championships Mm -hmm. um so I, I give them a little extra credit in that category. Um, they do have they have two quarterbacks, Skyler Thompson. You talked about Alice Delton. And they have some offensive linemen back. And I think that that's a really nice starting point for a Bill Snyder coach team. You know, like I think he can kind of shuffle things around outside of those positions. If he has those mm-hmm. positions, he's able to just kind of figure something out and make it work. Um, however, what I will say about Bill Snyder and his future is that I think he's going to get Kansas state to fifth. I'm not sure he'll ever get a team higher than fifth. I think this is kind of the new ceiling for Kansas state. I think I do. I definitely think it's something that, um, is he's almost done. Like he's absolutely almost done. Um, but because usually, you know, in one of those years where I think he, you know, he's going to do a great coaching job this year, you're thinking, "Oh, he's going to be able to compete for the big 12 this year," and I think he's going to do a really good coaching job this year, and they're going to finish fifth. you know, like mm-hmm. I just I don't think they can stack up with the teams that I have above them right now and from a talent perspective. Um, but I do think that they you know they, I just think they're going to be able to make some stuff work to where they're going to be able to be a little bit better than the West Virginias and the Iowa State. This year,
0: yeah, I think it's certainly possible. Um, and man, are these close teams close together! Um, oh yeah. Uh, so no, I definitely think that that's entirely possible.
1: So yeah, my... I think I think. Sorry, one. I think a good thing we could do, and again, we were planning on the podcast, but maybe we could break these teams into tiers when we're done. Yeah, I think that would be a good a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go. Let's go to your number four.
0: My number four is Oklahoma State.
1: Oklahoma State, okay.
0: Oklahoma State, who is without a quarterback at the moment. It's an interesting situation they're in. um, Because it's been a little while since they were like a genuine unknown at quarterback, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they have a quarterback. He's just not a – he's a fifth-year – like Taylor Cornelius is going to be their quarterback. Yeah. And he's just – he's a guy who's been there for five years and he's finally getting his opportunity. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, but yeah, um, go ahead. Uh, so, keep going.
0: It's just one of those things where, you know, <laughs> it's, when's the last time we didn't know what Oklahoma state's quarterback was going to look like.
1: Yeah. It's been pretty set in stone since, you know, Mason Rudolph. Cause he won that job midway through his freshman year. And then it was just, he was just the guy. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe – I think I could certainly see a situation where – because they have a really talented guy in Spencer Sanders that mm-hmm. um, is a true freshman. And I think I could see a situation if Taylor Cornelius doesn't work out, that they try out Spencer Sanders in a very Mason Rudolph-type way. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but I'm, I'm going to leave the rest of my Oklahoma State takes for when I talk about them.
0: Mm-hmm. So, they lose James Washington. They lose mm-hmm. Marcel Aitman. Yep. Two of the best receivers in the conference last year. They're both gone. They retain uh-huh. Justice Hill for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wonder where the rest of the offensive production is going to come from. Um, and then on the defensive side of the game, uh, you know, it's just I don't I don't really know at this point. Oklahoma State and defense is a complicated situation in general. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So being they are I don't know. I think we've maybe reached the top of a tier with them. I don't okay. Know. We'll see.
1: All right. Um so I'll go to my number 4. Mhm. And I'm going to go with Texas. Okay. At 4. Okay. Um so I'm a, I'm a little bit higher on Texas than you are. Mm-hmm. Um obviously um my thing with them is just, I I always favor teams that have talent, and that's just they they have it. Like they they have talent across the board, better than anyone else in this com- in this conference, other than Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know. And in some places, they are more talented than Oklahoma, um, and I, I think that's pretty significant, you know. I think at receiver, you know, you talked about Will um, Jordan Humphrey. Um, they still have guys like John Burt and Devin DuVernay who have shown that they can be good football players before, Yeah, like they haven't been consistent with it, you know, whether that's due to poor quarterback play or just that they're not quite what they were cracked up to be as recruits. Um, but they have ability, you know, I think that's important. Colin Johnson, I mean, two years ago, Colin Johnson was like a legitimate guy that I was scared of. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he's like a six-six receiver that, you know, just hasn't been able to put again like the consistency uh, that you would look for. Defensively, I'm. You know, you mentioned all the players they lost, and I think that's completely valid. Um, but they still bring back a lot, man. Like they still have um, a guy like, you know, look at at linebacker Gary Johnson. You know, Brecken Hager looks goofy as hell, but he. <laughs> isn't terrible like he's a pretty good player you know pass rusher um you know their defensive line recruiting's been all right over the past couple years it kind of was lacking last year but before that was okay um so i don't know i'm a little i I just i'm gonna go with the talent here and you know i really really look forward to all of the situations in which um Sam Ellinger is going to find to lose games. Like yeah. I, I'm excited by that. Um, but I, I do think that they're going to be able to, to go through this schedule. And I think their schedule sets up pretty well. You know, they have to play USC at home in the non-conference, but they get TCU at home. Obviously they get, they don't have to go to OU. It's on a neutral site. Um, you know, TCU at home is a big one. They go to Oklahoma state. They go to tech and Kansas. Like, That's a really manageable conference schedule. You know, at Kansas State's another one. They're going to lose to Kansas State because that's just what they do. Yeah. Um, But I think that they're going to be all right. I think seven, eight wins is probably what they're looking at this year.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I have to say about Texas is that I look at Breckenhager and I look at Dylan Osikowski off of their basketball team. And I just wonder if Texas has one of these guys on every athletic team.
1: It's possible. Yeah, I don't I'm not really into following Texas baseball or Texas golf or anything, Did but they just it have wouldn't like, surprise me.
0: scrappy, kind of dirty, long-haired white guys just everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: that's the Matthew McConaughey effect is what I've described. That's
1: that's probably it. Yeah.
0: Um, okay. <laughs> did you see him talking about the ambiance on both sides of the ball? I did not. He, um, some somebody interviewed Matthew McConaughey about Texas football because that's what Matthew McConaughey exists for. Um, and he was just talking about how you get the sense, the ambiance on both sides of the ball is just—it's really there. It's really different.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: And I was just like, I mean, I'm so excited for Texas and their new ambient defense.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. So that was your number 4. What real quick? Yeah. How unbearable is it going to be to live have to live in a world if Texas beats USC and starts 3 and 0? Oh
0: no. Like how how bad they, the they will be in the top 5. They will be in the top 5.
1: Top 5 you think? Okay. Yeah, yeah cuz um I don't I mean they're USC is not you know, definitely going to win that game, you know, I think they're going to be probably starting a true freshman at quarterback, you know, so Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a a for sure loss for Texas, you know,
0: that's a 46-54 game according to S&P Plus right now,
1: oh wow, yeah, oh wow, that's incredible, but, um, so, yeah, no, I, I, no. I look forward to that if that were to happen. Yeah. That Tex- would be interesting.
0: Texas and their unbearable backness before they come yeah. crashing down to earth against uh, TCU and Kansas State the next two weeks.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, and if you look at it like, they could also just as easily start two and four. You know, like yeah. how and how much trouble is Todd, Tom Herman going to be if they start two and four? Like. Okay, no, they're not going to lose to Maryland
0: because Maryland is – I don't even know if Maryland is going to field a football program this year given yeah. the horrible stuff going on there right now. Um, yeah. But it's not entirely out of the question. It's not impossible for them to start 1-4. It's not impossible.
1: 1-5, you mean? 1-5, potentially 1-7. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think – but, like, you know, how, how hot is the seat going to be for Tom Irman if they are 2-4 and four going into that Baylor game on the 13th? Um like I it, don't know, like it's gonna be bad down there,
0: yeah, I think, yeah, no that's nasty um okay, that's Texas for you <laughs> um so my number three is and this is fun, West Virginia there uh, we go yeah there's there it is there's suddenly this is the hot take I think everything Alex said about West Virginia's lap life- of depth is absolutely true it's absolutely concerning but it is impossible to know how it's going to affect them and on paper right now they're a pretty freaking good team at least offensively Will Greer with another year to mature and gain even more experience I think that that offensively West Virginia is really good looking um, we'll see about the defense that's my that's my take on West Virginia Injuries will take their toll, and this will look foolishly optimistic. But at the moment, on paper, they've got a really good offense.
1: Yeah, no, I think there's certainly a situation where if they go 3-0 and in the non-conference, like, it's going to look really good for them. They're going to be ranked pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, the injuries might not have, you know, really taken a toll on them yet. So um, I think that'll be interesting to, to kind of monitor. And honestly... They could start the year 8-0. You know, like if you look at their first eight games, their four toughest games are their last four games. Yeah. So, and it would be really kind of interesting if they're 8-0 going into that. Um, yeah. Who would they be going I wouldn't.
0: That first game, I'm looking here. At Texas. At, oh, that would be
1: fun. That'd yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. Um, but, no, I, I I think I said everything I wanted to say about West Virginia. I'm just not optimistic about their, their just overall talent level. Yeah. All right, so that brings me to my number three, mm-hmm. and I have the TCU Horn Frogs.
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah. Um. And so you can kind of do the math on who that leaves to be my number one, numbers one and two, that but that much is clear. <laughs> so, with with TCU, I I'm probably a little bit lower than the consensus with them. They just lost Ross Blacklock for the year, and he was really, really important for them. Mm-hmm. Like he was a big difference maker for them. He was all Big 12 last year. They also lost they lost Matt Boson, who even though he couldn't guard Michael Jones in the flat, <laughs> he was still a really important pass rusher for them. Mm-hmm. They lost Anthony Tejada. Like those guys were were big time playmakers for them, and they're just not there. Now, they they have a lot of guys back other than that defensively, and I still think Gary Patterson is going to put a really good defense on the field. Mm-hmm. I have major, major concerns about this offense. Um, I don't think Sean Robinson is good. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: like, nothing I saw last year made me think that he is even remotely accurate as a passer. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, maybe they can figure out a way to just be a really good ground team, but they also lost a few offensive linemen. So I'm not super optimistic about that. I think their defense is going to get them into third in the Big 12 because I think their offense is going to be pretty short of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still—I mean, they still have Jalen Rager, they still have Darius Anderson, still have Kevontae Turpin. Somehow, somehow Kavante Turpin is still a Horn Frog, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I just have some concerns about the offense, you know, and in the big 12, you, you're you going to have games where you just have to score points.
0: Yeah. So where does that leave me? My number two team is number DCU. two TCU. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are reasons to be concerned about Sean Robinson for sure. Though the talent around him is pretty good. Um, the defense. I mean, yeah, they lost some big pieces, but I really think that the TCU's defense might be even better this year. Maybe that's okay. maybe that's optimistic, but they're um. It's just I trust Gary Patterson on that side of the ball, because he's a jerk, but he's good at it. Um. He. I mean, they returned enough that I could potentially see them continuing to improve.
1: Um, did you know that that linebacker who knocked Baker out of that game in 2015 is still there? <laughs> Ty Summers. Ty Summers. Like I did yeah. yeah, I was looking at this the other day, and I was just blown away that Ty freaking Summers is still at TCU. Yeah, they have one of those guys on both sides of the ball. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm looking at their schedule. It's real good. Yeah. Their worst. I mean, their worst away game is probably, well, it's either at Texas or at West Virginia, but at West Virginia is late in the year, and we talked about how that's going to affect West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're better than Texas, so I don't really worry about that game very much. Mm-hmm. Um, they've also, the big one for me is that if they can find a way to beat Ohio State in the third week of the season, which I don't know if they will. They probably won't. Mm-hmm. But if they can, yeah. people are going to t- be talking about this as a playoff team. Pretty much until October twentieth, oh, yeah. at least.
1: I think there's. I think they could vault into being the favorite in the Big Twelve if that happens, because yeah. I think people are going to have questions about OU because even though OU doesn't have a lot of weak opponents in the non-conference, they they don't have that marquee opponent that yeah you can really stack up against. You know, so um, that would be really interesting um, to kind of see how that goes. And you would think Ohio State with um, Ohio State's been traditionally a much better running team, and TCU is one of the best teams in the country against the run. Mm-hmm. So that might be a pretty decent matchup for them.
0: Yeah,
1: um, on that side of the ball,
0: and they have them at home. Like
1: this schedule, I mean, this it, schedule is yeah. just really. I good. mean, technically, it is in Jerry World. Technically, well, so yeah. I mean, it's it's you know really close for them, but it's not like it's in their home stadium. Yeah, but,
0: that that actually is a big difference. I didn't yeah. know it was at Jerry World. That's not marked on the. That's yeah, the schedule. Not. I'm looking at. Um, yeah, because yeah, one of the things I was going to bring up, you know, TCU Some Stadium, isn't an easy place to win. I will say, mm-hmm. uh, it's not the biggest crowd, but they're pretty nasty at times. Yeah, um, and they're relatively close to the field. Um, they don't have to. They don't have to go to Norman. They don't have to go to Stillwater.
1: Yeah, um, that's one of the. That's one of those situations. TCU is a team that not playing OU. Yeah, playing at o, OU at home is actually a huge plus for them because they actually they have a chance to beat OU at mm-hmm.
0: home. Yeah.
1: Whereas I think most teams don't.
0: Yeah. But like they don't have to go to Lubbock. They don't have to go to Ames. Yeah. They don't have to. Go yeah, their Manhattan. schedule's good. Yeah, their schedule's a, good. They've got a nice schedule. To me, that's to me that's the thing with them. Is their schedule? Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I, I like that. Um. So that brings me to my number two,
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and as an Oklahoma State Cowboy.
0: Oh, this is where this is where it comes out.
1: I uh, somebody started grad school. Yeah, so for all of you guys unaware, I uh, I start grad school at OSU tomorrow, <laughs> um, which was one of the most unlikely things to ever happen to me. But um, so as an Oklahoma State Cowboy, I've got a I've got I've got a bone to pick with you, man. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't like what I was hearing about my boy Taylor Cornelius. Um, <laughs> I've heard really, really positive things about Taylor. No, my boy... I really need you
0: to get more outraged in defense of a person whose last name is Cornelius. <laughs>
1: Do it. Yeah, my man Mike Gundy um, has has been incredibly uh, complimentary of Taylor Cornelius throughout the entire offseason. Um, he's pretty much locked in on him the entire fall camp. Um, I don't think there's really any reason to think that Mike Gundy's going to put a quarterback out there that can't play. You know, like he always finds at least one guy. And if it's not Taylor Cornelius, maybe it's Spencer Sanders, maybe it's the transfer from Hawaii. I think it's reasonable to think that they're going to put a good quarterback on the field or at least a, you know, a game manager type, a Clint shelf type, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, now you're talking about the receivers. They lost. Let me, let me fill you on who they got coming back. All right. This was, we cannot forget the best receiving core in the country last year. I don't think those, those people down in Norman, them Sooners, I don't think they can say anything to the contrary. Um, (laughs) And let's just let's let's take a look at who they've got coming back. Um, I'm going to start with Teron Johnson. And if you don't remember, I remember Teron Johnson blowing right by Jordan Thomas, any cornerback. Oh, you had last year. And the only reason why he didn't score the game winning touchdown is because that trash quarterback Mason Rudolph overthrew him. <laughs> Taylor Cornelius would never um, also Dylan Stoner. Like, one of the best slot receivers in the Big 12 last year. Very productive. Um, always down for a good white slot receiver. Um, from in-state guy from Jinx. And then, uh, Jalen McCleskey. Can't forget about him. Like, he's a guy that's... who's been starting for them since he was a freshman. Mm-hmm. Like, Jalen McCleskey is a legitimate, dynamic threat. And that's that's three. That's three really good receivers. You know, I don't think you're going anywhere else in the Big 12. And I don't think – I think those three receivers stack up against anyone else's top three, if I'm being honest. Um, And then defensively, um, I remember a guy named Calvin Bundage just making Orlando Brown look like the NFL bust that he's going to be this year. Um, Didn't he sack – I think he sacked Baker Mayfield three times in a row. Like I don't know, man. I I think OSU is going to surprise some people this year. I really do. Um, and if I can come down from my ridiculous overselling of the OSU Cowboys now, um, obviously I don't mean anything I said in, about the negative against OU, as this is an OU football podcast. Um, I didn't even mention Justice Hill. I mean, who was legitimately you know, him or Rodney Anderson are the best running back in this conference. There's really no doubt about it. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, he's coming back for his junior year. I, you know, he's definitely going to go for over a thousand yards if he stays healthy. Um, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think OSU is one of the more consistent football programs in the big 12. You know, I think the only other program you could say is as consistent is OU right now. Um, and so I think, I think OSU is going to find a way. I think there's a lot of decent football teams in this conference. You know, OSU, Texas, TCU, all of those teams I think are good. But they all have big question marks, and I just think OSU is going to be equipped to answer their question marks a little better than those other teams. You there? Oh, no. Did you
0: mute yourself? I muted myself.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. We it... both did it. Oh, God. So now we've done it. Now we've
0: really done it. I just couldn't, I couldn't take it from your absurd Homer <laughs> persona. Which, if you, would, if you could dip back into that, um, tell me what you think about the fact that um, among running backs with at least 250 carries, Justice Hill was fifth worst in marginal efficiency.
1: Um. All I can say is, put on the film from Bedlam last year, my dude. Yeah, that
0: that.
1: Who set Who set the OSU Bedlam record for yardage in a game last year? That was one Justice Hill. That's probably for over 200 yards on that horrible Mike Stoops defense. I don't know how Oklahoma Lincoln Riley should be. Actually, I commend Lincoln Riley for wanting to keep a guy like Mike Stoops around. All right, I really do.
0: Well, I'm glad I'm glad I summoned you back. Um that's because he was also fourth best in marginal explosiveness.
1: There you go. There you go. That's all that's all I needed to hear. Yeah. Just so, still best running back in the country.
0: With um I don't know, to me with a somewhat um questionable play caller. Look, Tyler Cornelius has shown his Taylor 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 no nope. Cornelius Tyler I'm gonna say Tyler now forever he doesn't he doesn't deserve that a that's because he's a B plus at best
1: oh wow wow now you've done it
0: Jeez. Yeah, okay this can't be the podcast
1: um <laughs> no I I think this could be a, a bit a bit nah, that we do nah, now that just, I'm an OS, Oklahoma State Cowboy this is we could have a week oh I think I can foresee this weekly Oklahoma State updates we'll have like a five minute segment so I can go into what I'm seeing from my beloved Cowboys
0: yeah I think that's actually good well yeah. like, we're doing more planning on the podcast
1: um, yep we are this is good this is good podcasting yeah all right so I think that's gonna that's gonna take us to our number one
0: yeah which is the same in both ends so yeah let's talk a little bit about the Oklahoma Sooners the subject of this podcast
1: yeah, um, which I mean, there's not a lot that we didn't cover in the last pod or the last three podcasts. But yeah. the reason, I mean, OU the most talented team in the conference. They have won three Big Twelve titles in a row. Um, I think the best argument for OU not winning the conference this year is a teams don't win four conference championships in a row very often. Yeah. Um, my counter argument to that is teams don't win three conference championships in a row very often. Um, and OU did that easily last year, um, and also their their schedule is is a little hairy at times. Like they've got they have to go to TCU, they have to go to West Virginia. They obviously always have the Texas game in Dallas. Um, you know they go to Ames too. They go to Lubbock. Like none of those games are games other than maybe TCU that I think you can really feel good about them maybe losing. Yeah. Um, but you know that that would be the argument to me is that their their schedule is tougher than TCU's let's say in the conference at least
0: yeah i agree um but i mean it's the team's going to be really good this year
2: mm-hmm.
0: I, and the uh the non-con is kind of a pain let's talk about that a little bit um yeah so Florida Atlantic was scheduled as a cupcake opponent. Turns out that they're coached by Lane Kiffin now, um, so that's an annoying thing. UCLA is a Power Five marquee name that we should have been heavily favored against, but now they're coached by Chip Kelly. Um, yep. In week four, we have to play Army. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I I'm actually the game that I am I feel the most comfortable with is UCLA out of all three of those. And it's not that I think I'm I, that I think we'll lose to Army or anything, but I just don't want to have to play them. You know, yeah. like just their style makes me uncomfortable. Like I'm worried like five guys are going to lose their knees in that game. Yeah. Like that's really what I what I mean with that, but
0: And it would be um, one thing if we were playing like Kansas State the next week because right. like prep for those two styles of offense are roughly similar. Um mm-hmm. but we're going to have to go into that Army game having coming coming back from Ames. Right. That's going to be such a pain. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, It it's not going to be um, super ideal. And then Florida Atlantic, like, they were really good last year. Yeah. You know, like, they won 10 games last year. Like, they they won a conference championship. They They have a lot of guys coming back, too. So it's not like we can go into that game and just play however and no. win that game easily. Like, we have to play well.
0: They're projected to be the 31st best team in the country, according to S&P+.
1: Yeah. No, that's wild. Yeah. That is wild. Um, they might have Chris Robinson starting a quarterback. I really hope they do. I think that would help OU. That would, be,
0: that would be amazing. I would love that so much. Please, Lane, do it for us.
1: Yeah. Well, and if you look at the the win probability, like UCLA is the um, – we have 82% win probability against UCLA compared to 78 against Ford Atlantic. Like yeah. that – Port Atlantic, just the fact that it's the first game of the year. There's just there's a few reasons to be nervous about that one. Like yeah. again, I don't think we would lose it, but if that game is close going into the fourth quarter, like I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be very happy about it either.
1: No, I'd be really mad, but it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the non con. It sucks. Um mm-hmm. going <laughs> our away schedule. To me it's not terrible, but it is like we picked all of the voodoo spots and threw them in one place, right, yeah, um because we have to go to Ames, we have to go to Lubbock, we have to go to Morgantown, and we also have to play uh you know at t c u which is um a place that has been really frustrating recently,
1: right. Yeah, no, this is definitely our hard year in terms of road games at yeah. this point. You know, back when, you know, let's say in 2015 when we had to go to Baylor and Oklahoma State, that was probably the harder set of road games. But mm-hmm. at this point with where Baylor is, like, and the fact that we just always beat OSU. Yeah. Um, sorry to my beloved pokes, but um, it, yeah, this is definitely the harder group of road games in conference. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that, like, You know, obviously we love the OU Texas game. We don't want it to change venues. Like it's great, but the fact that we never get to play that game at home is a disadvantage. You know, like it really is. But you know, at least we don't have to play them on the road. You know, it kind of gives and takes. But you know, it it's just like an added thing. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's the Oklahoma Sooners sitting at number
1: one. Yep. And just like their uh, SP plus projection, we're again projected the number one offense and the number 49 defense. And I think, you know, I would like to see a little higher on defense, but if you told me that's how it ends up this year, I wouldn't be super upset with it. No. You know, like I think that's pretty reasonable. Yeah.
0: And the thing about the number one on the offense is that there could be a massive regression on offense, and it could still be true. <laughs>
1: yeah. Last yeah, year's
0: no. offense was insane. I can't stop saying that.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, does that is that where we need to end this podcast? We got you know we we ran a, our pretty standard length. Um, I got to be an OSU fan for a little bit, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to doing that more as we move on. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do now is that in the next podcast I'm going to defend OSU's recruiting ranking. I'm yeah. going to tell you why it's actually a good thing. That they are where they are in the recruiting rankings.
0: Well, you know, you know, Mike doesn't pay any attention to that. He just gets the guys he needs.
1: Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> All right. So, do you wanna you wanna close this thing out?
0: Sure. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, I forget how many weeks we have left. Is it two more weeks and then we have football?
1: Yeah, like just under two. It was two weeks from yesterday.
0: Right. So. Next- and
1: technically. Technically, the season starts this weekend. There are going to be college football games this weekend.
0: Yeah. So we can maybe talk about those, and as well as give you our thoughts on Florida Atlantic in more depth the next time you hear from us. Um, you can follow the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at Oklahoma underscore drill or at RW Maxi and at Alex B. Um, and thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.